we're back back with another episode uh first episode in the new year first episode in the new year happy new year everybody yeah yeah this uh you know we'll 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 get out you know i don't know exactly when it'll get out shortly <laughs> in the new yeah year. um yeah, the uh, the new episodes are dropping. I I just listened to episode five. I've still got to listen to six and seven. Um, I'm I'm you know, I enjoy our episodes. Shockingly enough, and uh, and uh, I actually had a we had a call out uh, to uh, our guest this week in in episode five. So uh, uh, because uh, I used I used a hat that I got from our guest uh, as my tinfoil hat. So if That's you right. haven't, <laughs> <laughs> if y'all haven't, uh, uh, those of you out there, you know, the, the few of you who are still, who are listening yet, if you haven't heard episode five, you know, you should go back and check that out. And uh, uh, that this is your teaser for our tinfoil hat episode. Yes. It was probably uh, one of our most, uh, I don't know spicy uh in in intriguing um i mean you know it's an interesting one that's yeah yeah it it was an interesting one it was uh it made me you know i hope i hope uh that at least some of the people i'm organizing with don't hear it until uh you know a little time has passed quite frankly (laughs) yeah Mm. Mm. there you go there's there's some more teasers um get rid of the things uh first you know our interweb stuff uh you know well, wherever you're listening to uh, the podcast, please like, subscribe to us. Uh, uh, there's a likey subscribe. I think is one of the things that you say a lot, and I think this could be a T-shirt. So you got to keep that likey subscribe. Yeah, likey yeah. subscribe to uh, Rise Up with Mark Mixon, also known as Cats and Politics. I'm not, yes, Cats and Politics. I'm not sure where she is right now, but I'm sure she world. will interrupt us. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I've if I've dropped her official name. You might hear me call 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 the cat Luli, which is somehow short for Juliet Catulet. <laughs> Appropriate. Uh, so yeah, likey, subscribey, wherever you follow us, wherever you listen to us, uh, we'll we uh, found I found a found a, a a bot thing, an AI thing that will you know cut our episodes up into smaller chunks. So maybe we can start dropping yeah. YouTube stuff at some point. We'll look into um, that. And uh, really, really, and truly, we'll get the Patreon and the uh, I've I've got the 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 TikTok account. I've not yet made a TikTok video, but that's coming sooner <laughs> rather than later. I feel I feel morally certain about that. Nice. And, uh, I've never had a TikTok. I've never been a part of a TikTok. That's gonna be interesting. Um, yeah, it's uh it's an interesting platform. It's uh I'm I'm sort of enjoying it. Um yeah. it it feels like about half ads to me right now, like about half the little TikTok videos that come across my feed are ads. But you know, um interesting. Yeah, that's all right. Well goes. let's let's get into it. What are we doing let's this week? Get into it. Yeah. So this week, uh, you know, I in the tinfoil hat episode, I the the hat I used was a red beret. Uh, you know, today I've got uh, my friend uh, Laura Fielding coming on. Um, uh, uh, we're going to talk about her organization, the uh, Red Berets Medicare for All. We're going to talk about universal health care. We're going to talk about craftivism. We're going to talk about uh, really a lot of the work she's been doing, sort of tirelessly for a couple of years. And now that I've sort of wet your whistle. 
I'm not going to let her come on and talk quite. Yet. <laughs> Pause. Because uh, I want to, I want to do our, I want to do our, our breaking free of propaganda section first, really quick. Usually, this is where I define terms so we can all, you know, agree on what we're talking about. And I'm not going to define a term so much this time as talk about the propaganda that is fed to us anytime any progressive policy is uh, is is proposed, but really specifically with Medicare for all, with universal health care, this this fucking comes out all the time. Uh, you know, you'll any any time Democrats are asked to support a, a policy, both sides of the aisle say, well, how are you going to pay for that? We can't afford that. And so I want to break break that discussion. I, you know, we're not going to talk about that. I'm not going to entertain people who who leave a lot of comments about, well, you know, the pie in the sky. We can't afford that crap uh, because because we can. Like they they talk about oh the the budget, the deficit, the government spending, and that's all just a lie, right? The the U.S. government is not a household. They don't have to operate in the way you and I have to operate. Like no. if they don't have enough money, they don't have to tighten their belt and cut services like they do. That that austerity shit is just to punish us. It's just to torture and and lie to us. Uh, you know, the fact is we spend three quarters of a trillion dollars every year on the U.S. military, which is the largest contributor to climate change around the world. So when everyone talks about a Green New Deal sort of thing, how are we going to pay for that? Well, let's stop spending three quarters of a trillion dollars. Uh, you know, we could cut that shit in by 90% and still just, have the biggest military in the world. Just like movie budgets, they actually give you about half of the figure that they spend. So, <laughs> it, yeah. I believe uh, you, yeah. Three quarters of a trillion, it's probably double that. Lots of fucking money. Lots of money. Yeah, we our military. Spend, we spend the most by far out of anything else in this country on killing people and oh, making yeah. war. That's what we do. And and stealing, stealing from people. Like you know, the, all I think we mentioned this in one of our previous episodes, and we were obviously going to have an episode on uh, maybe on the last episode we talked about this just briefly. Um, but you know, as the empire is collapsing, all it has left is to extract and wage war on the imperial fringe, right? So that, so, and we extracted like a trillion dollars from the imperial fringe in the last year. And, uh, and uh, I'm not going to remember dude's name and I'll bring it up, but like our, our military has been a thug for the capital, for the boss class for well over a hundred years, right? They are the reason behind most of the propaganda that we, that we consume, that, that gets spewed to us. Um, so we can afford it, everyone. And if you don't understand why, uh, this might be a future episode as well. There's a thing called modern monetary theory. I recommend you Google it, look it up, educate yourselves about it a bit because, because we, because they're lying to you, right? There's a, a great book. I don't remember the name of her book, but Dr. Stephanie Kelton wrote a book a couple of years ago about modern monetary theory that is very, very consumable. So please check that stuff out. Um, and just to say, I'm not an economist and, and I will never play one on TV or here, uh, <laughs> but I have heard and I've confirmed when looking into it that uh, half of our U.S. debt is self-made. It is owned by the United States. We can say, ah, we're not going to pay ourselves back. We're good. Instead, they purposely keep that 
to inflate things and to saddle future generations with with debt. So that it seems like you have less options and less choices and you have to go to your corporate masters and say, okay, what are we going to do? That's part of how they keep money valuable. Meanwhile, we have maybe around six to seven trillion dollars a year that we could be spending on all kinds of things. And probably at least a quarter of it goes to some level of war. And then the rest of it goes to, you know, uh, securing all of our financial engagements around the world. And there's and there's no there's no taxes that that pay for that money for the war. They just print the money. They just make the money because we are a financially sovereign nation. And if they want money, they make money. It's not backed by anything. It's not mm-hmm. real. It's just based on our productivity. And we are the most productive society in the history of humanity. And But we're lazy, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we can we're afford it. at our mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and the other half of the debt, you know, is them selling our country to people they claim are our enemies, right? Like yep. the Republicans like think, oh, China's such a big threat. We'll stop fucking selling all of our stuff to China then. Stop having them own. You know, why are we in debt to China for so much? Like just, yeah. yeah. First That'll- we gave them our businesses and then we gave them our money <laughs> and our debt. <laughs> but they're bad though. <laughs> and we have to yeah. stop them. That'll probably well, you know, the Republicans think they're bad. The the Democrats want to murder brown people and wage war with Russia mostly. But uh, that's that's one of the differences between the party is who they want to kill, <laughs> who they hate, and how they want to wage the war. More future episode topics. More future episode topics. All right, so that was that's the breaking free of propaganda. They're going to say we can't afford it, and they're lying to you. So. With that, you know, I'm going to bring uh, Laura on. We've got a transition thing uh, we're yeah. going to do, play a little play, play a little bit of Barry's music. and uh, Yeah, we're going to transition over to that, and we'll be right back. Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Some answers, a little bit of truth. Some answers, a little bit of truth. All right. Excellent. Laura, Laura, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Hello. Great. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Ah, so uh, this, uh, I don't know exactly how long this will go. I want to give you plenty of room to talk. I've got questions for you and, uh, you know, Adam and I, uh, it's just sort of a free ranging discussion, right? Uh, so, so for people I've known Laura for several years, um, I, I've, uh, gotten involved in in some of her work and we've we've uh worked together on other political stuff as well um but today i want to focus really on the stuff that that uh, laura is focusing on and and how how you got to where you are and where you're going so uh why don't you give us a little bit of you know your background i uh, and even back in your past i seem to recall uh, you were a veteran and uh uh, served, yeah. So, give us a little bit of your, give us a little bit of your background, Laura. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I I am a veteran, um, a veteran for peace, and so uh, I I would say that um, first and foremost, I think what I really wanted to start with is like uh, the acknowledgement that it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and so I've been on Twitter, which is my primary platform where we've kind of 
shared so much about the Red Berets for Medicare for All Coalition over the years. Um, I should be on <laughs> TikTok and all the other ones that do really well, but kind of a creature of habit. So um, I've been sharing quite a bit this morning, you know, uh, one of the well, a quote that you won't read uh, by any establishment politicians, um, uh, but that we are all very familiar with as, as healthcare uh, is a human right proponent is of all the forms of inequality, injustice mm. in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane, Reverend, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So, um, yeah, um, and over the years, it has it's been. I guess, I think it's been seven years now. It was the fall of 2017. Um, I wasn't involved in the Bernie 2016 campaign. I did vote for him in the primary, um, but I wasn't on social media. Had I been at the time and been aware of all the shenanigans and <laughs> cheating, rigging, <laughs> DNC rigging. Um, uh, yeah, but let but I'll answer your question and go back <laughs> further. Um, I just want to say that although myself and other craftivists that have joined me in the round over the years, to use a, um, a knitting term, have f people know us to have focused um, pretty much solely on single payer Medicare for all healthcare justice Um since the time that we started um, knitting for them. And the military background was kind of the, uh, well, not kind of, it was definitely uh, the reason why I chose the beret is because I thought we really need a, a militant uh, symbol, except in the service of healthcare, not warfare. So uh, the idea kind of gelled for me um, because what planted the seeds was um, after I had done my own time in the U.S. Air Force and then decided, actually, I, I mean, I realized really early on that I had made a, a very grave mistake. Um, but once you're there, you there's really not much of a way to get out if you want to. You know, anyway, everybody probably knows all of that stuff. I won't go into it, but that that's a whole other, you know, those years were very formative for me. Um, and so having served, uh, I didn't really become aware of healthcare uh, in the Air Force until I was out of my active duty service, um, but then had met my my husband, who is a retired U.S. Air Force uh, veteran, and we served on his assign one of his assignments after I had gotten out was that we went uh, to RAF Lakenheath, uh, which is in England. It's near Cambridge and Newmarket. And uh, I was working off of the base in retail and then also going to school for uh, massage therapy and craniosacral therapy, um, uh, body psychotherapy in, in Cambridge. And it was there at those um, very deeply grounding uh, and interpersonal. Uh, this is the first time I've really gotten a chance to speak about this, you know, and it's because you've just given me permission. And I really appreciate it because this is very... Um, it's very linked with who I am as a as a 
um, a love warrior, to use uh, Dr. Cornell West's um, campaign call, um, as a love warrior. Um, uh, so I got very close with those on that body psychotherapy and uh, biodynamic massage course in Cambridge over the course of four years. Um, and they began asking me in, in the off, in the tea times and the lunch, uh, the uh, breaks, Laura, how can you stand to serve a country that leaves mm. so many behind? And it really, uh, it, it hit me at that point as both like a, a shock and yeah. shame because we were still serving. And I thought at that time during the, you know, the Bush Jr. era was the most humiliating time to be uh, active or in that uh, military industrial complex. In this present moment, I have never been so shocked and so ashamed and so angry. Um, at my, at the government that we do not, uh, that is not free and fair elections and we do not live in a democracy and all of us uh, who are awake and aware understand that point. But uh, even through the Trump years, nothing, mm -hmm. nothing has been as deeply shameful and uh, embarrassing and appalling um, as this moment that we are in right now. Um, with the uh the genocide that is that is going on um <laughs> oh, sorry so no yeah, get a word in edgewise um i'll come back no that's uh that's great to know a little bit more about you oh please that, that well it was the um it's so it's like that planted the seeds i didn't know what to do with that at the time like mm -hmm. oh yes we are but it was the seeds of, you know, you're, you're, they didn't say it in these words, but, you know, you're part of the evil empire, you know. Um, and uh, like I say, I, it's, it's a complicated question. If someone would ask me, well, you know, do you regret serving? Do you regret spending that time? Yeah. It's like, well, that, that, that really laid a very deep seated um, uh, belief and perspective because also some of those people, uh, worked either currently or formerly had worked within the NHS and done holistic therapies uh, within uh, the national health system. So they began, you know, just telling me, I, that's where I got the introduction of what so many um, Americans who are still, uh, can, you know, listening to media propaganda, CNN and MSNBC and Fox and all, all New York Times, all the rest of them, um, that I became aware of the system they had because I wasn't aware of the injustices. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a problem uh, having healthcare as a child and young woman, you know, so that was my first introduction. So then, uh, then coming back here and years later, uh, hearing Bernie Sanders uh, platform, and then um, in retrospect, after after the primary and after Trump was in office, I was listening on YouTube to uh, Roseanne DeMauro, who was the former um, chair or president of National Nurses United, um, and Bernie and Jane speak to address the National Nurses United. And that, having knit some of the pink hats for the Women's March, I know however, you know, again, we, we like learn as we go. At that point in time with the Women's March, 
some crafter, a person that I knew here locally was like, oh, have you heard about these hats that everyone's knitting? So that part, I don't believe that was all an organic movement because, you know, uh, but I did come upon that organically. And as I share in the film Healing Us, um, you know, I sent the, the hats that I created um to washington dc through through a shop that was boxing them up and sending them and i they had tags because you know washington state is cool that way we do have a lot of grassroots stuff i don't know that 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 was the case uh all across the united states but i do like to share um that at that point the place where i gave the pussy hats that i had knit um had tags that said Medicare for all, you know, and that's because of having heard mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders platform, even at that time. And I knit some of those for the Seattle uh, Women's March on that inaugural March as well. But then over the course from that January through to the fall of 2017, um, that's when I had listened to, you know, that address to the National Nurses United. And that's when the idea just all of a sudden kind of gelled of wow, just imagine all of those, uh, that sea of pink hats and craftivism, that's hours and hours of collective craftivism and what, and from the aerial views, as we can all see in the current moment, the aerial views of people showing up with the the flags of Palestine, those are, that's very, very powerful uh, imagery that even though the mainstream propagandists do not cover it, they can't, it's all over social media. So that was, that was really the idea was what, if we could get people crafting in a sea of um, national nurses red for national improved Medicare for all, that would maybe, you know, that would be uh, yeah, some yeah. very bold imagery. So that was the, yes. And we need the militant symbol of, um, yeah. So here, this one was Crow. Let me find the crocheted. I always have usually whole Washington and uh, the lighting's not very good, but this was, um, this is one of Scott DeNoyer's um, handcrafted, hand-carved um, pins with the solidarity apple and heartbeat. So the cra- the craftivism has just, uh, and this one was crocheted uh, by Michelle de Villiers. So I, I always said, shades of red, any shade of red, and obviously the craftivism just kind of grows itself. And and we return to, to red because it's the color of the heart. And I, in the early years, I had so many people saying, so you, so you're, supporting Trump or, you know, those are, I would love that, but the man, I've heard everything from communist, you know, it's like, okay, um, this is the color of healthcare. Uh, the right wing doesn't own that color. It's, it's a socialist and, um, it's a beautiful color. It's a color of love. And, um, so there you go. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, um, Great to know more about you, like I said, and, you know, really some powerful stuff in there. Um, I have a few things to respond to. <laughs> Ceasefire now, please. Ceasefire now. Yes, I got to attach this to to something, but it's kind of a work in progress. And a couple of months ago, I knit a beret in solidarity solidarity with the palestinian yeah yeah palestine so So. you uh you know you mentioned how how formative uh your your service was and how like that was a powerful question 
then it clearly impacted you back then. Like, how can you serve a nation that leaves so many behind? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is complicated. Like, the military, well, we're, as, as, you know, as I said in our, our initial segment, like, we're, we are inundated by propaganda and they force our society. They, they craft our society in such a way to force people into service, right? Yes. They don't want us to be well off because then how would they, how would they feed the military industrial complex? And right. with a draft, with, <laughs> oh, right. Which they're talking about bringing it back. <laughs> you know that I would, and I think we'll get there in our military industrial complex episode or episodes, but you know, I feel like, that was really when when the military propaganda and and why so much money is spent by the Department of Defense on making movies and television was like they they did not like uh, the the blowback that happened from the draft during Vietnam and the way so many people were turned against it. They had to they had to craft our brains to make sure that we would not go that direction. Mm. Um, so it, so it is a complex issue because people can't be held responsible for can't be blamed rather for participating in the society that we live in. Like when people were using plastic canoes to embargo shell out here a few years ago in the sound, um, you'd hear people saying, Oh, using plastic to try to stop oil. And, and Mm -hmm. as if they're, you know, very smart and got some sort of gotcha, like you can't, can't blame people who are participating in society uh, and still want to change it. (laughs) Like that's, that's okay. You can participate in society and want to change it. Yes. And as we wake up, like we all also need to take responsibility for our actions. Like I don't, I don't call people out on it very often because hopefully people are growing and understanding what that, that like voting has consequences, but those people who voted for Biden in a very real way now have the blood of tens of thousands of Palestinians on their hands. Like if they had not put him in office, those people might not be dead. Um, I'm not pro-Trump even a little fucking bit. But now, yeah. I, I want to make one quick statement on that. And that's only that I, I came to a place during the Trump administration, and I'm definitely there now, that it doesn't matter. Like, they will get whoever they can in there to do exactly what they want. And if they don't, then they're going to destroy that person. <laughs> so that's what they're doing now with Trump, because they couldn't really control them the way that they wanted they wanted to. You know, and I don't think that he's a better option because he's a crazy man. But no, but Biden is is what the military industrial complex like it's it's Reagan again. Right. It's a guy that's lost his mind and can be pulled in any direction that you want him to go in. And he is such a nationalistic, you know, mentality type of guy that I'm not going to fight those wars. So I'm not I'm not pro Trump at all. I know. I know. I know. I, you know, agree with Dr. West when he calls him a gangster. I think he's a neo-fascist. I think he will lead the country down a very dark place. And at the same time, we did not have any proxy wars during the four years that he was in office. Right. Um, Don't forget about the missiles he sent into Syria. Like, he, he, he flirted with doing exactly what they always have presidents do. And then for some reason, he did back off. So I will give him that. But I, I still wonder, would he have completely just left Israel to their own thing? I mean, he was he was doing everything BB wanted him to do when he was in office. So I mean, I, I agree. I think America uh, I supports won't, Israel, right? I won't entertain the 
well, Trump would be worse thing because that's wait, used wait. as no, cover. Not worse, right? the same. I just it's, think that we probably here, would be in the same Here's the thing place. that I, I keep reminding people on social media that Biden's record on the Iraq war, not only voting for it, but pushing and lobbying holdout Dems who were on the fence to vote for the Iraq war. That piece just in and of itself, it doesn't matter what Trump would do. The fact of the matter is at that point, he did not have that blood on his hands. He mm -hmm. did not have that congressional record and that vote, which was a deeply consequential and bloody vote. And again, not only a vote, using all of his bully power that he had in the Congress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I made that argument in 2020 out on Twitter, and I wasn't the only one. Uh, oh, yeah. It was like, de uh, definitively, record-wise, you cannot say that this is, quote-unquote, a lesser evil vote. No, uh, no. He, no. He, he helped. He was very instrumental in getting us into the Iraq war. So, um, sorry to come out so, like, forcefully on that. I also am not oh, no, no. pro-Trump and what... Uh, obviously did not vote for Trump and will not vote for Trump. But this idea that, um, you know, clearly in this current situation that we're in, I hope and think that everyone that has um, independent media available to them can now see that it, it just has to happen as painful as it is. We're, and we're going to give it uh, our best shot in this independent sphere, but the movement through multiple candidates and see, you know, we could get into that too. I no. actually think right now in this moment, um, you know, we can talk about strategy and I've had people out on Twitter saying these candidates need to come together. Uh, that, that is, I think that will happen in time or that's on them. Here's the thing we can look at in the present moment when it comes down to breaking the corrupt duopoly and have, I think it's a brilliant thing to have multiple, uh, human rights uh, and anti-imperial uh, candidates leading people in this movement. So because one candidate and or one campaign or party might inspire a whole bunch of certain people, and then another candidate or movement leader speaks to others. So right now, in my view, the job is to, uh, you know, especially in this thing where we're told we have to vote blue to save democracy. First of all, we've already covered how we don't live in a, that's asinine. We don't live in a democracy, but if we want to do it, it uh, aspire to co-create a representative democracy, uh, then it would behoove us to put out the narrative that uh, we're not, it's good to have choices. That's what you have in a democracy. So we have the socialist party and we have Dr. Mm -hmm. Cornell West, um, running independent, and who knows if there might be uh, the rise of a Labour Party that is fomented out of that. And, the, and of course, we have the Green Party that is on the right side of history and has been on the right side of history uh, as an anti-duopoly choice. So um, I think it's great that there are multiple choices and mo multiple movement leaders right now because we need a lot of them. And so, you know, when people have come to me, um, you know, making comments like, we just need them to do this. It's like, hang on, that sounds quite a bit like Democrat uh, corporation think yeah. to try to like people are just leaving the democracy. And you're telling me I've got to I've got to go with a certain party or a certain candidate. Hang on a minute. I'm still in the 
you know, yes, I am wearing a Love Warrior uh, button. I am very inspired by Dr. Cornell West's campaign. And the idea, let me get to this, because ballot access is <laughs> a thing that has been on everybody's mind. Um, well, we will talk about that more. As we you. know, through whole Washington, and this is the thing, is that when people would would come in with their criticisms of you'll never make it, you'll never get enough signatures or, you know, state single payer. I don't even want to go down. I'm not going to get down that road. Um, if oh, you're doing, actions, you're doing, <laughs> we might, <laughs> if you're doing actions for healthcare justice somewhere, talking to somebody, getting a signature, calling your rep, demanding force the vote, uh, pressuring for national, if you are doing the actions, uh, bravo. And thank you. I, I don't want to spend time undercutting something that somebody is doing for getting healthcare justice. But the point to ballot to link that to ballot access that I told people is, if you're looking at a, a ballot initiative for single payer as either you're going to get to the ballot or, or or if you don't reach the ballot, that's a failure. Mm -hmm. um, then that's looking at through a very limited lens because gathering signatures. Builds the movement. We get to go out and anti-propagandize people. We get to speak to people who maybe didn't know there was still a movement for this. Uh, we did get to speak to people who maybe are still listening to corporate news. So there are far more uh, beneficial um, reasons for gathering signatures than simply the, the ultimate goal of getting it to the ballot for a direct vote. And I say the same thing about. Uh, but, uh, the Green Party continuing to complete their ballot access, the Socialist Party working on all of the states that they can to get ballot access, and Dr. Cornell West working to get uh, on the ballot in all 50 states. Getting people out in the streets, in their community for ballot access, gives it, it, it is an, uh, an opportunity to grow the movement. It, it is. I'm, you know, it's almost like, I'm going to step back just a hot second, because your first uh, uh, answer when I asked you to give us history and background, it's, it was funny because you anticipated about three of the questions, three or four of the questions that I had on my list. And, and you you almost covered them as we were there. So I don't know that I'm going to go back to them. Um, and this might turn into a more free ranging discussion because you're now anticipating more of the questions that I had on my list as Sorry. well. Um, no, and that's great. That's great. Um so at some point, I might want to, you, you covered the pink hats, I think, a bit, and I might want to just discuss at some point uh, uh, what craftivism is writ large, but also maybe not because I'm really enjoying this discussion and the points you brought up, and I agree with you just so wholeheartedly. Um, I have had several meetings this last week uh, about organizing and uh I don't know if I've defined it in our fighting back or our breaking free of propaganda section, but like I really define organizing as building the relationships needed to get a, to achieve the change a community wants to see. Right. And it's like, I don't feel that any campaign I've worked on, whether we got the initiative on the ballot, whether we got the candidate in office, none of them are failures. As long as I'm doing real organizing, if yeah. I am building those relationships then worst case scenario, I'm sowing the ground so that our future efforts can be fruitful, right? Yes. Um, yes. And I so, you know, I'm wearing a Green Party t-shirt. I don't know if people can see the various stuff. You're, you've got a Love Warrior hat on. Um, 
full disclosure for for uh, uh, our listeners, both Laura and I volunteer uh, for the Dr. Cornell West campaign right now. We've got a meeting coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, couple of weeks, a little less than two weeks now. Um, and we are going to be working on ballot access. I am uh, also working with uh, my candidate. I'm a campaign manager now, at least interim campaign manager for Jason Call for Congress in Washington 02. Uh, we're going to be going to Idaho to uh, help get them, uh, get Dr. Stein on the ballot in uh, in Idaho. And I've been, you know, working in the Cornell West Slack and the Idaho channel as well. Like I just received the petitions from the Idaho Secretary of State's office. There's a women's march happening next Saturday, and I'm not going to be able to drive to Boise uh, for that women's march to collect signatures for Dr. West there because I will be in Oak Harbor with Jason. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Look how what a rich, uh, rich in the, in the tapestry of, um, opportunities for us to create change that's and it's so intersectional right now it, it, that's beautiful it really it really is and uh for you and you you would have found out here in a couple of weeks uh you know uh, at our first cornell west meeting uh washington cornell west meeting and in some of the other work i'm doing because uh, i also work with the washington forward party um and i've got signed up for you know since i work on a green campaign i'm working with a lot of the state green party members um and I've discussed, uh, had a conversation or two with an organizer for PSL here in uh, Puget Sound uh, PSL. And I'm really hoping to put to end, another thing I'll drop later, but uh, I intend at this point, not hoping, I intend us to have a unified third party nominating convention where uh, volunteers for Dr. West, Green Party, Forward Party, if I can get them on board, PSL, if they would like to join us, the Unicorn Party, who I will talk about a little more later. Um, but we can all meet together and have a united party where we are seeking ballot access for all of our candidates. We can't all sign for each other, but we can all be there together, collecting signatures together and giving people actual options and actual choices. Um, and more importantly, building the relationships, right? And getting to know each other. And because I don't think the left is as, as fringe as people think. I think we are, we are legion and we are just diffused and we are focused on different movements right now. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that the green party campaigning has given me the opportunity is to get to know campaign staffers for other national offices across the country. And we're beginning to discuss like, how can we start meeting monthly to have strategy sessions about making the movement for the people more cohesive and more coherent and, and more effective? Um, so, sorry, you triggered a lot of thoughts in my head. I wanted sure. to hop on that. I do want to step back about craftivism sort of writ large because it's a thing. Um, you've given us two great examples of craftivism, both the, the wooden lockets, the Scott carves, as mm -hmm. well as the, uh, the hats y'all knit. Um, so I just want to ask you to talk a little bit more about, about craftivism and about how you see that as being an effective tool for people who want to make change. Well, one of the most brilliant examples right now in the movement, again, with the imagery um, for um, an immediate and permanent ceasefire and a free Palestine and um, stop the genocide is uh, we don't 
um, you know, Sakuru Force, who is also in the film and who you have met, is in Healing Us. Um, there was um, something that he has said either in the film or in inter in some kind of forum that we were in together about, you know, a handcrafted sign is craftivism. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't look any particular way. It's in the way I would personally define it is just, uh, we are all creative. Even people who say I'm not really creative. Um, people that are did doing digital things and, and graphic art, and there's all different ways of expressing creativity and letting your, your ideas, um, become manifest, uh, you know, however they, however they look, I would say that I would define all of that as craftivism. So when we look online and we see all of this powerful imagery, you know, some of these giant genocide Joe heads with the, the blood on, on their hands. And then they mm-hmm. did all of those um, babies, the, the it covered in blood, you know, that is extremely powerful uh, imagery. And I would call that craftivism. Someone took time to, to create all of those things. And there is something that's very powerful about something that, um, you know, like the, the, the flag uh, that is in healing us. It's been all throughout Washington. Um, uh, you probably saw it. I thought it was brilliant during the marches for Medicare for All um, that uh, you all made sure that uh, it was the backdrop for the, the speakers at the Seattle March. Because um, uh, we had brought, I had hand painted that. And, and for those who watch the podcast who haven't seen Healing Us yet or aren't familiar, you know, we kind of have brought that hand painted flag, which the idea. Uh, behind that was like putting all of these hands there's 50 handprints in all different shades of the of the rainbow coalition um around uh the earth you know um instead of the 50 stars and then on the stars and stripes are perhaps not every single country but the majority of countries that have universal health care or some or single payer you know some form of universal health care and the year in alphabetical order and the year that they achieved it. Uh, so we brought that imagery to the, the women's march, the first women's march in um, Olympia. I didn't march in Seattle, actually. No, that was the second year. I Am I getting things confused? Well, I marched the first year that was with the, so the first year that we were bringing the red berets to the women's march was actually the second women's march. And mm. I went down there and met Sarah Hansen, um, who has crocheted many, many um, down in Olympia and um, was one of the first uh, whole Washington volunteers that I met in person. And we brought our red berets uh, that second January and in, in uh 2018, early 2018. And that was the year that whole Washington ran uh, our first uh, ballot initiative of the ballot initiative to the people where we gathered 103,000 signatures uh, on volunteer efforts alone. So, but we brought the, uh, the platform of whole Washington and national improved Medicare for all for all the people in Olympia that were marching for the women's march to see. So that's, you know, that's showing up with the platform that maybe not everybody there was aware of it. And, um, and this is why over the years, as people have, you know, maybe quibbled about uh, state versus always wanting to make it a state versus national. It's like, no, there is healthcare justice and taking action for it or 
not, you know, it, it's if you're building that movement. Um, and I, I think that was a good example of we can do both at the same time, the flag and our signs for national improved Medicare for all were there with our red berets and also, um, you know, whole Washington literature. And, and then we, we were out in force that year. That was the most mobilizing uh, uh, and memorable time to date in my seven years of activism was that spring gathering signatures for whole Washington when everybody's still coming off of the Bernie off of shit. We're not getting health care. We're not getting health care if it's uh, no matter who's off in office, if it were to, to have right. been Hillary or uh, Trump, you know, and they still kind of had that. What do we do now? Well, that's what whole Washington was, was born out of. So, yeah. And it's, well. it's frustrating. Well, and, we're going there next, I think. Uh, but it's frustrating because my whole life, um, my my entire adult life, and and farther than that, I, I someone told me that JFK ran on this, but but you know Clinton campaigned on universal health care. Hillary's when she was first lady, she was the the health care czar, right? <laughs> like she was. Uh, uh, Obama was going to give it to us, and then stepped back and gave us Romney care instead, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, so yeah, it's it's universal health care has been it is the most popular issue I think uh, uh, for for years among the American people. Um, I have long thought that uh, if if a new political party would form and just focus on a single issue each election cycle, uh, I, I run a Twitter account called the Healthcare Justice Party. That is mm-hmm. the idea is behind it that. Yeah. Like, look, we just need to focus on a single issue, and when we get that issue. I'll probably go into that stuff uh, uh, later. Um, maybe not today, because because there's so much stuff. Uh, so, whole Washington. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that that was so in these marches. That was where you first came across whole Washington. I think you said it um, was it was it was nurse um, Catherine Lewandowski who had mm-hmm. seen uh, my posts in. Uh, I, I wasn't connected up to whole Washington or any anybody. It was just an idea. It was just hearing the national nurses and Bernie that made me like start putting out pictures of the first red berets that I knit from the idea. And I was writing uh, because of hearing that rally uh, to the national nurses. I was writing along with the, the photos on Facebook. I was putting knit for nurses and the 99 percent. Um, mm. And so because she had seen Knit for Nurses, she she reached out in a direct message saying, um, wow, this I love this idea. Um, I would love to meet up with you and, and hear more about it. And so then she drove down uh, to and then um, listened to the idea and asked me if I had heard of Whole Washington. And I said, nope, I am not connected up to any organizers. I just uh, I, I just felt inspired like. I could bring my creativity uh, and contribute to this uh, cause for Medicare for all through through my love of knitting. And um, so, yeah, that Catherine is how I got involved with whole Washington. Um, And then after that ballot initiative, like I actually rather during it was like we were doing everything at once, trying to build uh, social media, you know, Twitter. Um, I created the, the Red Berets Twitter account on there and was like seeing that they were so small and not getting enough traction. We were out trying to gather signatures and uh, do all the things that you have to do during a, a grassroots ballot initiative. And I, and I thought to myself, when we came 
not close because 300 over 300,000 is a great is a ton of signatures but had we more volunteers or a little bit more money to pay some signature gatherers we were within uh, grasp mm -hmm. and the idea of a people's ballot initiative has that was that was so inspiring whole other thing um but where was I where was I going with that um yeah, that's really what brought me into being connected. But I, I saw like, oh, we have to actually become, how do we get this back to Medicare for all or become part of the national conversation? This needs to be, you know, uh, this like knitting, this needs to be, uh, you know, creating a, a social, uh, a creative social fabric, you know, and mm -hmm. we're all, we're all stitches in a, in a beret, um, you know, always, uh, if you talk to any serious uh, single payer activist anywhere, uh, they're they're all 100 percent. Yes, we need this uh, single payer nationally. We need uh, national national improved Medicare for all. It's just a matter of like every single stitch, um, a signature, every signature that somebody got was it was a stitch, you know, um, every time somebody posts on social media. So we're and we're building movements. I see. And I go to all these state you know, like um, New York Health Campaign and CalCare, so much of the time they are also in their messages reminding people or having actions for, you know, always reminding people of both and at the same time. So, um, yeah, uh, and that's kind of the, the Bernie 220 was the next way of like, how do we bring the craftivism to the national movement? Because we have to be part of this larger force and this, this national uh, demand. And then force the vote was another m movement in time. So for me, it's about bringing, for Red Berets, it's always been about um, bringing the craft where there is energy and a, a movement rising and building up, you know, so that everybody that was connected with Force the Vote probably saw what a moment in time when we were all demanding that. Um, we were loud voices for that movement to try to push the uh, progressive, um, the squad and the progressives to force the vote. We don't need to get into that either. But again, it was another point in time where we kind of put our energy there. And then after, and that is key, that's key for healing us because after force the vote, after we were not able to get them to uh, get behind that, uh, there was a lot of frust very frustrated and angry energy in the movement because we knew, we knew that was our moment in a Biden administration for getting single payer Medicare for all to be part of the national conversation and demands. That's what was important about it. And you had every uh, progressives and people pushing back saying, nah, here's, uh, here's why we can't have that. It's like, and then we don't have the votes anyway. It's like, this is about pushing this demand into the national conversation yep. and demands for it. That's what this is about right now. So um, there was frustrated energy coming off of uh, when we weren't able to get them to force and demand concessions for their vote for Nancy Pelosi. Um, and what came about in, uh, you know, that the new year after that was, uh, you know, a couple of organizers, Sharif Snugs reaching out uh, through Twitter, asking, um, we were saying we want to do, he was just tweeting at me over and over. There weren't, this was before there were any marches. He was just tweeting um, at Red Bray's Medicare for all. Will you answer the call? And he was tweeting at many others as well. But I saw that and was like, 
as I do on Twitter, hell yeah, we need that. I'm going to amplify that. So we got in, he and I got into very early conversations about, um, you know, doing this march. And um, I, he wanted me to come out to DC and speak and help. And I said, we need it. We need it nationally. We're going to, we're getting ready to launch another ballot initiative in the state. Are these marches? Well, anyway, I wasn't even going to go into all this either, but it's part of healing us. It's what created all of that imagery in the film healing us was with, with when I, when Sharif and I were in conversations, it was absolutely solidarity. The call is for national Medicare for all but we're in solidarity with everybody doing these efforts. That was, that was uh, the original intention that was brought to me. Um, and so then I reached out and brought whole Washington aboard and it was DC and then LA. And then Sharif said, what about Seattle? And I said, well, it needs to be in uh, what it, it, he said, what about Washington state? And I said, well, it needs to be in Seattle. If we, if we're only going to do one big one, it should be in Seattle because that's rep Jayapal. And, you know, just that's for the most bank for our buck. Um, and I said, and I am probably not, I'm not the person to organize that, but I, I know who I can reach out to. So that's when I reached out to Andre Stackhouse. And really when we got those first three marches on the map going, that's when it started to explode because from there people can see, oh, this is a thing. This is a movement. This is a thing that's happening. And then all of a sudden there were marches, people signing up aboard to do this all over the states. And what was so, so, so brilliant about that moment in time, and I know you were a co-organizer and did a lot of organizing for the, the Seattle March, Mark, is that what I found brilliant about it is it was just so grassroots and you had people that were speaking at all of these marches, the coalition included, um, you know, green party and people running as progressive Democrats. Um, there's become like even less, um, open-mindedness or tolerance for that just cause we've seen, Oh, wow. That's just not working really. But, right. and you had Jimmy Dore, you know, you, you literally had like extremely, anti-establishment, uh, hell yeah, single payer now. And then you had people that were, you know, more within um, the Dem and, you know, the elect through that. You just had this whole broad, beautiful coalition of all kinds of different grassroots organization, organizations. It was, it was a powerful, powerful movement. So, Yes, so so much there, and I, I you, you've you've a couple times said you're not going to talk about, it, but now I'm going to force you to because because <laughs> <laughs> um, our last episode, not our last episode, the last episode I listened to of ours um, was about political disruption on the left, and and I remember being in the oh it wasn't Slack, I don't think we were organizing in, I don't remember, don't remember the. Uh, uh, the the forums we were we were using. Um, I remember as we were beginning to rev up those marches and the the multiple cities. And suddenly, once we had those three on the map, um, and it began to take off, then the the agents of disruption began appearing. And we had um, some people in the Midwest who were who were neo Nazis who were who were claiming that they were starting marches and uh, uh and and 
and the group was was very grassroots and they didn't know how to go about it like we had um someone brought up the idea of a big march for dr west in the slack the other day and uh ed ardell and i were like this is a bigger task than you think it is. I mean, it's a great idea, but it's also yes. a bigger task than you think it is. And, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, um, and so, you know, the the movement that that march anyway, the marches were stunted at first by, you know, not having a real organization that was behind it that could raise funds. People were trying to raise funds with just like GoFundMe accounts and yes. didn't realize there were, there were legal things they had to do. Um, and got everyone off to a real slow start. And then there was, you know, agents of literal, whether they were, whether it was their job or their hobby, there were people who joined who were intending to disrupt things. And, and then, and I'm bringing this up, uh, I'm going to step back and then I'm going to come back for it again. Uh, you know, I was in a, a Catherine Lewandowski came to a, a campaign event up in Bellingham and she said, you know, I need, I need a thousand, I think a thousand soldiers, she said, uh, you know, to, to collect signatures for whole Washington, for, for us to get that healthcare initiative. I need a thousand people. I said, well, you know, Catherine, that's funny because uh, a thousand people is what we need to have uh, sign. We need a thousand people mm -hmm. to get presidential candidates on the ballot, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, trying to tie our things together. Um, yes. Because you're right, we do need to create this fabric of activism and this fabric of change and people need to step up and do organizing for real, which then brings me back to another thing you said, you said like, any, any real or serious healthcare, you know, single payer activist uh, understands that it's sort of a yes and situation. Those are not quite your words, but I'm a big yes and guy. That's and, a great, uh, those are great words. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, and I was very distressed after I remember being in the, and this was one of my questions. And it doesn't need to be a question right now, but I remember being before Medicare for all became an organization. I remember being in those, those um, online meetings and having the discussion and me being a union guy and a union organizer and having sat at the bargaining table a lot. Um, I was sort of arguing against Medicare for all as a saying, not, not mm -hmm. as a goal, but as a saying, because right. tactically, if you, first of all, right now, I know, I know the actual movement wants national improved Medicare for all. Uh, and Medicare for all is the name of a bill that's been introduced in Congress, various bills that have been right. introduced in Congress every session for like 20 years. Um, and that's why they're pushing for that. And at the same time, tactically, if you uh, are, are asking for Medicare for all, you're going to get less, uh, right? Like right. I tactically, I was saying in the, in the, whatever the online forum was at that time, like you should be asking for universal health care and, you know, negotiate down to Medicare for all. Like, right. Um, okay. So now I'm going to step back to the thing that I, that I want you to talk about a bit. Um, because I was very distressed and there are a lot of people. Uh, so, so one of my recent episodes was on political disruption and there were a lot of people who came out of the woodwork and they became associated with the March for Medicare for all the, the Medicare for all organization, which I believe they are now an organization. Um, and there was that whole argument that a lot of them made and a lot of them, some of them were legitimate organizers uh, for the national movement. And I'm not going to call some of their names out here. Yeah, some of them are 
YouTubers with platforms and some of them are just actual people. Um, But there was, they became trolls arguing against the actual state-based activists and the real single-payer activists. And they seemed to me to be only online disorganizers mostly. But there was this whole argument about if you're not fighting for the national only, that you can only fight for national Medicare for all, you can only fight and, and some of the, I started this episode talking about MMT and, and, and advocating for MMT. And you got some of these people who, in my opinion, sort of co-opted that Medicare for all organization and are using that MMT as like, well, now you people in the States can't fight for state-based work. Right. Because if you do, you're taking the air out. Why would anyone fight for national once they get their state-based? Like, they're just going to say, well, I got mine and the rest of you can go suffer. And I... (laughs) Please talk, because I really felt that was like telling. Like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> well, first of all, well, let me start by saying that after I say a couple brief, well, I'm never very brief, but after I make a couple <laughs> of comments, I would love to get, I would love to move into this territory that you're talking about, um, coalesce, because I've been thinking about the craftivism and 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 how do I how do I help multiple? How can I bring the, my knitting and and the craft into helping? Uh, bring some of these things together because we all only have so much time. So that's kind of what I want to move into, but um, just want to say uh, regarding that two things on the MMT front, you mentioned uh, Stephanie Kelton and the deficit myth. And I will say that I have the receipts online where Stephanie Kelton came out and said, uh, state movements right now are absolutely vital in direct response to a whole Mm -hmm shitstorm of uh arguing she you know uh um dr joe firestone is very very profoundly and deeply knowledgeable about mmt and has done people can go look at joe firestone and see all of the work that he's done and he took a very very close look at the whole washington health trust the bill and the initiative like um He's taken it apart step by step, and I'm not going to go into all of that stuff because he's done the wealth of podcasts that he's done covering uh, just exactly. He, he thought that, um, uh, oh gosh, why am I not thinking of his name, who has written legislation for, um, um, oh, I don't like to sit and hesitate on this, um, but The Economist, who uh, helped with the legislation of um, whole Washington, but he also has helped write uh, federal other state single payer bills and as well uh, some federal legislation. Um, it's really bothering me that that's not coming to me, but it's all on wholewashington.org if people want to go look his presentations and that information uh, is all on there. And anyway, Joe Firestone uh, figures that the estimates of what Washington state will save every single year uh, in the tune of like Mm -hmm. $9 billion are actually very, very, once he looked at the plan and broke it down himself, he said, well, I think that uh, these are very conservative numbers. In other words, probably it will save more than this. But anyway, so that's the point uh, is that Joe Firestone really, oh, sorry. Is it Kenneth Arrow? I was just trying to help look up the name there. Kenneth Arrow? Okay. Okay. Um, so, so there's yeah. that. And there's the point that uh, the woman who wrote the, the deficit myth has said 
we need all these movements. We need the movements. Yes. Um, and it was the movements. It was the state single payer movements, uh, with the exception of Washington. And not even with the exception of Washington, D.C. Uh, Washington, D.C. does have uh, some wonderful uh, proponents there that work locally and they showed up for the march. But uh, the places that had so much um, grassroots support and people showing up to the marches that that turned out the biggest uh, were because uh, state uh, solidarity organizers had come aboard and put such as whole Washington had put blasted out uh, this information about the march to everyone that was in their email list. And they, why are all these people in, in our database that we can reach out to for these actions? Um, because we've gone out and gathered thousands of signatures and put them in the database. So isn't that interesting and wonderful how uh, these things work together? A state organization that does have um, their own single payer legislation, or if they're working on ballot initiatives, they can go out and they can get the uh, information of their community community members. And then when there is a national action or a federal thing to support, such as Representative Jayapal at one point, this has been a number of years back, doing town halls or you know working on reintroducing the federal legislation, Whole Washington did barnstorms, barnstorms like 11 of them across the state. So again, <laughs> and I go into this stuff, you know, but I, I stopped. It's good. The, the, the arguments have, have died down. Everyone's doing their own thing. Um, it, if, I, if I could, okay, the second thing I was going to say on that is uh, in the current moment, I think it would be difficult to imagine having and we need more. So hopefully more and more and more people turn out at these uh, pro-Palestine uh, stop the genocide marches. Mm -hmm. But the amount of pressure from people in senators office with Code Pink and um, with all of these organizations that are uh, and people out in the streets is just absolutely historical. And not only in the United States, obviously, but the world over. Um, it's difficult to imagine you know, um, it just boggles my mind every day that that still has not moved uh, this current um, genocider in chief to call uh, for a ceasefire, um, because I would have thought is at some point doesn't this um, or is he not destroying his own um, their own party in which that does not I've dem exited. I don't care. We need something. We need to break all this down and, and do. build a new. So that's no problem. But to the point of national improved Medicare for all, in order to get past the corruption of our uh, federal legislators and the genocider in chief who in 2020 assured everyone that he would veto Medicare for all if a bill were ever to land on his yes, desk, uh, it makes it difficult to imagine that we would have the amount of public pressure required at this point to uh, achieve and get them to pass national. They, I mean, he wouldn't even pass it in the middle of a pandemic. So right. again, that's not me saying don't go out and make and keep up these constant demands. Um, I do continue to pressure. I put uh, anytime that there's uh protect the ACA, sign up for the ACA stuff coming out of the Biden administration or the Democrats. I will use my platform to quote tweet the information of healing us movie, uh, you know, that, and no, we need single payer. We need Medicare for all. We need universal health care. I try to kind of use those terms interchangeably. Um, 
but the point is, is that we really do need a mass movement in order if we were to see that. And, and I think that the, the, the amount of action that we have going in solidarity for a ceasefire for Palestine, and that has not yet uh, stopped this genocidal administration, one could easily make the argument that they are immovable, which is why I had said, you know, this whole argument of we can push Biden left you can't push a corporation that's so owned by all of the insurance and pharma lobby and the military industrial complex. There's no pushing that left. People are still thinking about it in terms of, oh, he's a person. We can push him left. No, you you can't push moneyed interests and, and corporate entities left um, or to do no. the right thing. So that's all I have to say us. about the national, the whole uh, national movement. I just say, I just extend my gratitude to everyone who's willing to take action online, in person, creative, uh, really, really organized, whatever people's different method for acting for healthcare now, I am Amen. in deep appreciation and solidarity with. That's great. Um, so I'm going to, we've, we've been talking for about an hour, maybe a little more. So I'm going to, going to wrap us up and. I don't feel done with this conversation. <laughs> so I'm going to ask uh, if you'd be willing to come back and uh, we could have some more conversation uh, because we didn't really get into the Healing Us movie. Uh, but when the podcast drops, we're going to make sure that the, the Healing Us Network link is, uh, is associated with it. So we're going to make sure that the whole Washington link is associated with it. We're going to make yes. sure that the you know, the Red Berets link, you know, for, for all y'all's websites are are associated with that, but, um, and I, I just got to say, got to put my tinfoil hat back on. I don't have one as a prop right now, but it would not surprise me if, uh, you know, what was, what was, what was the, the Epstein list? It would not surprise me if uh, some of the classified names on that Epstein list weren't Joe Biden's and Anthony Blinken's. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, their their um, inability to be moved. Um, uh, can I say uh, one quick thing on just a plug for for healing us movie? Please you do. Said we'll in include that link. Um, it's just no. You had you had made mention or a comment about red berets and are we incorporated? Um, and no, we are not. And I, it's over the years. It's something that I've. Um, well, we can have that conversation later. But I've just, as as we see, it's so easy for movements to become co opted and and organizations. Mm -hmm. and, and so for me, it was always about like this is a free idea. Anyone in any state can go start crafting these and create for their for the national movement uh, for candidates for single payer um, in solidarity for, for their local nurses that are fighting for it, et cetera. You know, the list and, and you can pin whatever your uh, candidate or your organizations to the beret um, that you want. So for me, it's always been like, how can we build this in a grassroots way mm. that, it, that it enables um, new ideas and new leadership to to take up their their craft and and help with this? Because we've seen so many organizations and movements become so deeply corrupted and co-opted. Yes, have. Uh, I have not wanted that to happen to, you know, a craftivism idea. And, and I would be open for debate or dis or ideas or discussion about that at, at a future point. Um, and I also am very, very intrigued about this idea of 
Um, you know, because my question is, how can I bring the craft to help these amazing candidates, but also with this question of now might be the time to get out and be gathering signatures for for whole Washington again. This is going to be a very big year, so I'm I'm very intrigued about the coalesce the coalescing of these um, the confluence of these forces. Um, and if people just can know if they haven't seen Healing Us movie and the link's going to be provided please go and, and go to healingusnetwork.com and understand that after you've watched the movie, it's not just, hey, let's go watch a movie about how we need healthcare. We, everyone that's going to watch it probably knows we do need it. But healingusnetwork.com is a hub that's got all these wonderful resources such as Whole Washington and, um, and many, many more. Um, so that if people are unaware uh, of how they can get involved in all of the different organizations that they can take action through, that's all on the website. Um, so mm -hmm. that and the idea behind Healing Us Network is like, we've got to create a community once people see this film of how they can get involved and take action. Um, so I hope that wasn't too long of a closing line. Thank, thank you very much. Well, that was not, and I, I have a hard time closing. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to also say, <laughs> like, you know, cause I was honored to uh, have one of those watch parties before the healing us movie was, was released and had the Thank filmmakers <laughs> come out to Seattle. Um, yes. And, and I think you're right. I think this might be a moment to uh, start collecting the signatures again. You're on the board of whole Washington. My candidate, Jason call is on the board for whole Washington. Um, and as we and and you've inspired me, I think, and I do definitely want you back. Let's let's when when we actually close the show, let's chat for a bit and see if we can't set up another time because I'd like to Perfect. talk more about healing us and about that experience. I'd like to talk more about, <clears throat> excuse me, about what the next tactic is. Once several yeah. years ago, or maybe maybe a year ago, I heard you say that you're always looking for the next tactic. You're always looking mm -hmm. for the next thing, and. And I think this might be the time to find that. That was, you know, yes. I'm also often looking for the next tactic because, because yeah. damn it, we need the change. We, we need, need the change. right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've inspired me a bit. I think at, uh, at our, you know, organized Washington for Dr. West get together, I think I'm going to wear my beret. I think I'll, you know, have a, a Green Party button. I'll have a Stop the Sweeps button. I'll have a Cornell West button. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll bring my beret so that we can get those people, if they don't yet know, about our movement for for uh, universal health care and for single payer in the state, we can get all those state people tied into that because I mm -hmm. think it is it's going to be a good time. So you know, hopefully, you can take that to uh, to to whole Washington and and we can consider getting another. Yeah, it might be the time to 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 get another bill ready. Right? Just thank you so much for hosting that, Mark, and, and the space was beautiful, and hopefully on our next time when we get together, we'll maybe we can start there, and we can talk about that Healing Us uh, screening and talk about how amazing it would be to do another screening where we where we have, uh, you know, Dr. Cornell West and or Dr. Jill Stein. Wouldn't it be cool to do another Healing Us uh, screening in Seattle at your venue? It was absolutely beautiful. And, and thank you from the bottom of our heart for for doing that. That was thank you. I uh, I it was it was truly my honor. I you know, I, I sometimes feel that I just don't do enough. I have been, you know, odd, uh, you know, one of the reasons I want to step up for Jason is I'm just in awe of what a machine he is out there always campaigning uh, yourself and Catherine and, and, and all the single payer organizers, how, 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 how single 
minded, how single focused you are. You are driven and it is, it is awe inspiring. And it's, it's a, something I, uh, I feel like I aspire to. And so I'm going to, I try to end every episode with a call to action. And okay. that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing now. It's like mm. the, the question is like, we've identified a problem. The problem is that we need healthcare. Every other major industrialized nation has universal healthcare. We need it. There are ways we can have it. We know as we started the episode, we can afford it. Like, yeah. like they can just give us healthcare if they choose. They want us impoverished. So yeah. What can you do? What can I do? You know what you can do. You're doing it. You you inspire people by doing it. So what can our listeners do? I think this is going to become my tagline. Organizing is always the answer, right? You need to get out there. You need to get organizing. You need to talk to your friends. You need to join a group. Uh, I think I think Red Berets being being not an organization, being just a network of people who are who are driven activists is a beautiful thing. If you have those skills, if you can knit or crochet, if you can't, Scott makes these wooden lockets that he puts a, 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 a vinyl of some sort on. Like a, you know, there's you can do something. I guarantee yeah, you can do something. We have, and we've, right? we've raised money for whole Washington with that. You know, he's Scott has donated those to whole Washington. We've donated berets to whole Washington because we, you know, the movement doesn't have a lot of money, but we give what we have and that's, we've done fundraising. So people can, people can use these for that purpose independently. Yeah. So yeah, please, everyone out there, get involved, talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends, do a thing, call, act <laughs> my, my, my words are failing me um laura thank you so much i really really uh, appreciate you being here with us and uh thank you everyone who's listening and join us next time for uh, rise up with mark mixon take care everybody bye some answers a little bit of truth some answers a little bit of truth